Hi, and welcome to Over the Barrel, formerly with the Sun-Times, now with the Chicago Tribune. Uh, I'm Ben Meyerson, uh, here with co-hosts Charles Berman and Rich Bird, and we're here today with our new colleague, Josh Noel, the Tribune's um, beer reporter and also travel writer. Is that is that right, Josh? That is exactly right. All right, cool. Um, well, so we're here for our first ever podcast here in Tribune Tower, the ornate not quite as falling apart as our last uh, building uh, establishment that we're based out of. Um, so, let's start off here, Josh. Uh, so, we're, we want to talk to you a little bit about um, how you got started on this beat. I mean, this is obviously, craft beer is a beat that did not exist in any capacity five, ten years ago. Hey, if they offered that in college, I never would have gotten into editing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you get into that? Uh, well, I will say, well, let me start by, uh, continuing on your, your thought that it, it didn't exist five, 10 years ago. And, um, it was, I, can't, I actually can't remember exactly who said it. It was either Ray Daniels of the Cicerone program or Randy Mosier, who is with Five Rabbit and Forbidden Root Brewing, but one of, and they're both Chicago craft beer old timers. And one of them told me just sort of offhandedly a couple of years ago now, he said, uh, I, I really appreciate you writing about craft beer in the Chicago Tribune because for years and years and years we kept trying to get the Tribune's attention and get them to write about what was happening in beer in the city and the Tribune just didn't care for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, you're right. There's this Craft beer was just not on any kind of mainstream uh, journalistic radar in this city for a long time. The way I came to it was um, I was a news reporter for a long time uh, I covered particularly a lot of crime. The travel writing job at the Tribune came open. I'd never thought about being a travel writer, but uh, once I thought for two seconds about being a travel writer, I thought, <laughs> hey, I could be a travel writer. This sounds kind of fun. And um, so I, I got the travel job, and the you know uh, you guys know as well as anyone that the journalism industry, newspaper industry in Chicago, is, uh, it's a changing landscape, a shrinking landscape, um, so after I'd been travel writer for about a year, the, uh, there was a reorganization at the paper and it, it put food and travel under the same umbrella. So suddenly I was also, uh, sort of eligible to do more than just travel, but also write about f- food. And the food editor came to me and said, Hey, look, I know you're interested in craft beer. Cause I was, um, would you mind writing about it when you're not traveling? And I said, sure. And that, uh, you know, what could have been one or two stories sunk its hooks into me. And, uh, and I basically took, took the subject and turned it into a almost full-time beat. Though I, I do split the job with travel. But, um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I took it and ran. So I, when was that around? Sorry. Um... Sorry for this radio silence. I'm just let me do the math so I can get it right. Uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I probably started covering beer in 2010, 20, 2009 or 2010. Mm-hmm. What's fascinating is how busy this beat can be. It, and the stories can range from, you know, a new brewery opening up seemingly every week um, <laughs> or monthly and the styles of beer. It's, it's a business. Um, it's recreation. It's... Huh? It, it's there's in Chicago is a hub for it. It's one of the you know the craft beer is booming here. So tell us about like how busy this beat actually is. 
Uh, it's incredibly busy. I think I could probably do it full time. Uh, but I really like doing travel as well, so I'm going <laughs> to stick with that also. Um, but yeah, it's very busy. Last week, for instance, was uh, was was nuts. This week, not so nuts, which is good because I need to catch my breath. But um, last week, uh, well, there was, uh, or within the last, I would say, week and a half from when we're talking right now, uh, Moody Tongue put out its uh, sort of announced details on the release of its $120 black truffle pilsner. That was a story. Um, Dry Hop Brewers announced that they're building a second brew pub, which is not also going to be Dry Hop, but they're sort of branding in a different way and going with a different theme. Um, There is another, I can't remember what it is right now, but there is another story too. And these are what I would call along the lines of uh, breaking beer news, which might sound a little silly, but it is what it is. And, um, you know, if that stuff is coming fast and furious. Oh, it was, uh, the other story was I got a, uh, one of the first taste of Goose Island's vanilla rye bourbon County stout, which is a big deal in beer circles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had all those as exclusives. I was first in the, in the city and on the landscape to report all those things, which obviously is, um, something that's important, whether you're covering city hall or beer. And if you're a journalist, you want to be first with it. So I had all those things first and, uh, having those things first requires, uh, yeah, a degree of, of uh, locking down and being busy and, and working your butt off. Um, the opening of a new brewery alone used, in Chicago used to be a news story unto itself, and it's just not anymore. There are right. so many of them. I've, it's, it's really borderline impossible to keep up with them all. So at this point, I'm, I'm sort of cherry-picking... Uh, what's news and what isn't and something like an established brewery like dry hop that is a name that people will recognize opening a second brew pub in a busy part of town yeah that's that's beer news in the city of chicago uh moody tongue a a brewery with a uh, very well respected and adventurous and interesting brewer releasing the most expensive beer in the history of chicago and one of the most expensive beers ever which is not hyperbole, that is true. Uh, this $120 black truffle pilsner made with rare Australian black truffles, that's beer news. Um, two dudes starting a new brewery in their, uh, in their garage in Berwyn that no one's ever heard of, that's just not beer news at this point because there's just the, the competition is, is fierce and it's uh, that, that – that means every new brewery and every new beer isn't isn't news like it used to be yeah. not that long ago. The competition is not just the types of stories, but in in covering beer, there's blogs everywhere, um, a lot of presence on Twitter and Facebook. So what's it like sort of your, in a way, your competitors with covering beer is non-traditional media, right? Uh, largely. I guess who's traditional media in this town at this point? The Sun-Times? Yeah. And they, you know, I, I you guys could would know better than I would, but it seemed like the Sun-Times is, just doesn't quite have the resources or interest or readership. I don't know what it is, but they, they haven't gone after beer super hard. They have done more lately, and it might have been might have been you, actually. We did a, the Superdog Super Beer story. We had them in for one of our shows when mm-hmm. Superdog collaborated with um, Lake Effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Covered Lagunitas when they yes. opened up their, their bottling line, did Dark Lord Day. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, I saw your Dark Lord Day stuff. Yeah. Um, the reader has somebody full time, don't they? They they or at least has a part, partial part of a beat. Uh, they have. If I think you're talking about Philip Montoro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool dude, and he. Uh, I think he's his main. He's kind of like me. He's a hybrid, but his main job is uh, metal <laughs> and music. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Per- yeah, perfect for three floats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say mostly it's non-traditional media. Um, yeah, but... We were out at the Lagunitas opening, and there was, I think, beer here and some of the other um, beer bloggers. Um, Hell, Hell to the Ale, is that a group of people? And there's a whole bunch of people that were just on site for different reasons. Yeah, yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of people with a lot of interest now. Um, I guess I'm somewhat lucky, or well, very, very lucky that I've got the Chicago Tribune name beside my name, which, you know, adds some uh, some gravitas, I guess, to to the reporting, and probably helps me get access sometimes, also. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's an increasingly competitive landscape. But you know, when I covered crime in Baton Rouge for the newspaper there, I had other outlets I was competing with on those stories too. So it's just that's part of journalism. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about um, brews that you like. Obviously, you drink and probably more beer than a lot of folks do, or you get the, a chance to sample or check out a lot of stuff. Um, you're going home after uh, you know a long day on the phones or checking out stuff. What do you crack open? What's your first? Uh, what's your first option? Uh, it varies. The one thing that I really love about craft beer is the amount of variation. Um, I do often default to hops when I get home. Um, I love an IPA just like a lot of people. Um, I, it's, it's just, I try to, I try to change it up. I I actually bought a six pack of zombie dust for the first time in probably a couple years last Mm -hmm. week, mostly because I happened to cross a fresh six pack in the binnies that I walked into and thought, oh, well, haven't had this in a while. I'll give it a go. So that's what I've been drinking after work lately. (laughs) Um, so you still have to buy beer? Uh, yeah, I buy some beer. <laughs> the stuff on your desk, is that all stuff that just gets sent in? Uh, I get a lot of stuff sent, yeah. A lot of people are trying to get my attention to write about things for different reasons. Um, and that's, yeah, it's it's helpful because there's, I wouldn't go out and buy every single new beer because that's just impossible too. Yeah. Um, the relationships that I have with breweries is key. And I tell those guys, I was like, get ahead of something. Tell me if you've got something new coming out. You want me to try it? Get in touch. Let me know. Get me a sample. And, you know, I don't write about probably 95% of the beers that I taste, but um, but sometimes just, you know, trying something, a seed is planted. Of, of the beers that have been sent to you just for, for sampling, like call them cold calls, mm-hmm. where they just arrive on your desk, what's, what's really surprised you? And, and said, hey, this is amazing. I'm glad I found it. Well, maybe not amazing, but uh, one that did surprise me was Baderbrow came back. And actually, I just wrote about them this week. Um, there, do you guys know the story of Baderbrow? Well, go ahead. It was, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> tell internet land. Um, Baderbrow was an old Chicago brewery back in the, I'm not even sure the exact years. It was around 80s, I think. Um and it had a lot of uh, local appeal. It's an easy drinking. Uh, I'm not even sure what the style is exactly, but it's 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 a light 
lager or light ale. I think it's probably a lager is my guess. Um, Goose Island ended up buying it, and then they uh, continued making Baderbrough for a little while, won a medal for it at Great American Beer Festival, and then they stopped making it. It went away. The trademark lapsed. Some uh, home brewer buddies discovered that, decided to bring it back. So Braderbrow was reintroduced uh, a year ago or so, a couple of years ago now probably. Uh, I wasn't too impressed with it out of the gate, but they've gotten more interesting and adventurous as time has gone on. Um, so last summer, they one of the, the Baderbrow guys came by and said, hey, we got this new uh, lawnmower. Lawnmower lager. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm sure this is going to be completely mediocre. But I cracked it open and was really impressed. It was a really well above average beer. Um, it was a hop forward, uh, low alcohol lager. Um, so that sort of put them on my radar. And then they recently came out with a black IPL, India pale lager. So it's a, we can just drop the word pale from it since it's also black. It's basically a black hop forward lager. Is that the Naked Selfie? Naked Selfie, yes. I'm not crazy about the name, but, you know, whatever. More important is what's inside the bottle. <laughs> and um, the beer, have you tried it, any of you guys? It's, uh, it's, it's great. It's, it's roasty, it's hoppy, and it's super clean. And that, that it's got sort of a really nice clean lager finish. And so I just did a list of five beers for your Thanksgiving table um, and included that on on the list so that that's one that did surprise me just that so i'm and i'm interested to see where they they keep going with that brand are they independent now or are they still with goose oh no no yeah they're they're independent and where are they located now they're uh contract brewing at uh it's in wisconsin it's either i think at point is where they're contract hmm. brewing and my understanding is that they're considering opening a brewery in the city and doing it themselves and that's another reason that 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 they, those last two beers, Naked Selfie and the Lawnmower Lager, impressed me, is uh, that they're. I mean, for contract brews, they're they taste pretty dialed in. Contract beers are, you know, pretty hit and miss proposition. But both those uh, have pretty pretty great attention to detail. So they're renting barrel space in an existing brewery and and using their operation. Uh, yeah, they're going to the brewery and either making it themselves or probably making it in conjunction with whoever the, the brewer is there. You mentioned your Thanksgiving list. I saw that. And, um, I was really interested in that Anderson Valley blood orange. Oh yeah, that's good. Um, but it, it, it kind of got me thinking, we've talked a lot about how craft brewing's exploded and everybody makes an IPA. Well, great, you made another IPA. Yeah. Um, they're all the same, and a lot of brewers are going back well, to... Well, there's a lot... I wouldn't say they're all the same. There's a lot of really good ones, and there's a lot of really boring ones. True. I guess what I was getting is a lot of brewers have, have gotten away from offering the same styles, and they're going to styles we haven't seen in a long time, or yeah. nobody's seen in a long yep. time. Yeah, big time. Um, and how do you pronounce it? Is it, is it a goes? And what or, is that? or goza. I, people, I've heard it both. Now that style's starting to make a comeback. Big time, yeah. So yeah. what's involved in, in the goes? Uh, it is a old, 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 I think I saw 500-year-old German ale uh, with that has, it's lightly tart, has the addition of salt, so that gives it like a little bit of, 
I know it sounds weird, but like a little bit of brininess mm -hmm. almost. Um, and between the salt and the tart, uh, it winds up, and it's really low alcohol too, so it's it's easy on the palate. And that combination makes for this really wonderful, refreshing uh, beer. And it's uh, combining it with uh, with fruit or fruit syrup uh, was part of the tradition as well, kind of like a Berliner Weiss, but that's not necessary. So so adding um, the blood orange is sort of a natural. And so the so bottom line, the salt, the tart, the dry, the low alcohol, nice effervescence, and a little bit of fruitiness, like dry fruitiness, uh, just ties together beautifully. And yeah, goes is just something that didn't even, it barely existed, literally it barely existed uh, two years ago. And now it's, yeah, everyone's trying to move beyond just an IPA by coming up with some other interesting styles. So uh, other Thanksgiving beers, obviously um, we've talked about, or and it's not, we haven't talked about, but pumpkin beers have exploded. Um, I've seen, and you've seen people kind of move I'd like them to literally explode. <laughs> literally <laughs> explode. <laughs> Would you like to smash? Um, so, but there are a lot of people have moved into other areas. Sweet potatoes are getting popular now. You're seeing a lot of people get uh, malty or darker and stuff like that for fall beers. Um, seems like people are getting more towards the winter stout thing earlier. You look at, uh, you know, Warlock was big this year, and it was kind of, uh, you know, uh, a variation on the pumpkin stout that uh, took a little bit of a more complex turn. Um, are there, what are, you, what are your feelings about, you know, seasonal flavors? Um, beyond the overall pumpkin thing, is there a particular additive or that you love or hate when you look at trends for, you know, that just makes you want to pour it down the sink? Um, pumpkin. Pumpkin. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. much. I, yeah, I think pumpkin beers are just generally. Uh, I just tend not to care for them. Is it the mm -hmm. pumpkin itself, or the fact that they overspice them? It's the it's the spice. It's actually pumpkin is barely even. I feel like an ingredient in most of them. It's really the spices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think they're just cloying, and uh, and the sweet doesn't do much for me. I actually what I have what I did recently, which was delicious, was. Um, was I, I made my own pumpkin stout, not as in brewed it at home, but just blended it at home. I used, uh, pumpkin, a little bit of pumpkin, uh, and then some, yep. Uh, which is sort of the, the go-to for a lot of people, mm -hmm. which has a lot of that spice. Uh, and I find impossible to drink on its own, but that like a quarter of a glass of that with three quarters of, uh. Well, and then maybe the other, the rest, the other 75% would be like half coffee stout and then half uh, imperial stout of some sort. I think I used um, Old Rasputin for the imperial mm. and uh, I don't remember the coffee stout I used. But basically I created my own coffee pumpkin stout at home and that was quite delicious. Mm. But uh, I think personally the, the pumpkin thing is just overdone and uh, it's just hard to drink and I, my own guess is that the people who get really into pumpkin beers um <clears throat> maybe don't 
going to get in trouble. They don't like beer? <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's like if you, what's the Starbucks pumpkin thing that everyone's excited about? The pumpkin about? spice latte, the PSL. It's gimme. It's, it's gimmicky. It's, it is gimmicky, but it's like, I don't know how you could like that and also like an espresso. They're just, or maybe you can like both, but they're just, they're two totally different things. Right. A, a pumpkin, which is sweet and tastes like pumpkin pie in a bottle, um, you know, just has nothing to do with most other beers. I don't know. I should stop talking about this. It's just, it's not for me, but a lot of people really love it. So that's my, my bottom line with, with beer is drink what you like. So where, I, does, where does that put you in, in a case where you have to write about it and people do want to know about those? Uh, I did like, a, like if you hate football, but they make you write about football, you know, how do you do that and keep a, and keep honest with the readers? Right. No, I, I actually, uh, I was a. I did some music criticism way, way early in my career, and realized that I just couldn't do it because it's like if I don't like something. I remember I covered a Trisha Yearwood concert, and I thought, you know, there were a couple of other her songs that I thought were kind of fun and like smart pop songs, but mostly I thought it was just terrible. But then I was in this room. It was an epiphany. I was looking around at all the people who were having the greatest night of their lives, <laughs> and I was thinking this is horrible. But then I realized this is just not for me. This is for them. I have nothing constructive to say about this concert because they like what they like and I like what I like and I need to go write about travel and beer instead. So now I write about travel and beer. What was the question? Oh, <laughs> sorry, you honest with the readers? And yes, say, absolutely. I'm not writing yeah. about pumpkin. I hate pumpkin. Get well, I, I did a pumpkin beer story a couple years ago. Maybe I'll revisit it and do it again next year. Um, but I think I came clean and said I don't really like pumpkin beer very much. But I also got a woman who works here, or worked, she left, uh, who loves pumpkin beer on the tasting panel and included her. So I try to write about that stuff very transparently and say this isn't necessarily my thing. However, this was my favorite of them, and here's this woman who really loves pumpkin beer, and here's what she liked. So, you know, I just it's writing about beer. I try to have fun with it while also being honest and not too, too overly judgy because, you know, everyone's got their own taste buds. Mm-hmm. I don't consider myself sort of the, the arbiter of... of judgment on what's a good beer and what's not because I can like one beer and you cannot like it and you can like one beer and I cannot like it and that's all fine I guess there's some I would argue that are actually bad representations of what they're trying to do but largely I think it all comes down to personal taste and I think that you know doesn't make pumpkin beer uh that much uh less valid this this topic just makes me think of the two things that aggravate me most about craft beer. Um, and one is the, um, the bomber bottle. And I just hate buying bomber bottles when I can buy a six pack for the same 10 to $12. And I know that why they're there and the purpose they serve. Um, and the other one is the, that it's sometimes too overwhelming that Pipeworks throws out 13 to 15 different bottles and you're looking at a shelf and you're just going to play guinea pig. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I don't, buying. I don't play guinea pig. I, <laughs> I'm with you a thousand percent on that. I'm, I'm pretty anti-bomber. Um, and I think it's a, uh, a model that's going away. I don't think it's working anymore. I think Pipeworks gave people the wrong idea. Pipeworks was the right brewery at the right time to sell a lot of bombers. Um, and it's just, I don't, it's not working. Uh, Spiteful came out in Bombers, and they were just sort of chugging along and doing okay, and now they're doing six-packs and four-packs and cans, 
and they're killing it. Business has only gone up since they've done that. And I think the industry is going to be moving away from bombers, is my guess. Mm-hmm. So. Is there anything else that sort of aggravates you about the craft beer culture or the craft beer um, movement here? Um, you know, there's a little elitism, I guess, once in a while. I think generally the people who make beer and work in beer are pretty really are generally pretty cool folks. Uh, the people on the edges sometimes can be a, a bit much, uh, and that, you know, includes beer writers. So hopefully I'm not like that. Maybe I am. I hope not. Um, yeah, my Bud Light drinking friends will call us beer snobs. I, and I, I reject that because it's, you know, sorry, but liking a good beer does not make me a snob. The fact is, is Bud Light is crap. <laughs> it's made with bad ingredients, and it just doesn't taste good. I think if you like Bud Light, you don't, I mean, that's great. You're free to like Bud Light, but that doesn't mean you like beer. It means you like Bud Light, you know? That's my argument. And I don't think that's being snobby. That's just calling a spade a spade. It's like, you know, a burger at Kuma's versus a burger at McDonald's. It's just, they're just, one is better than the other. There's, there's no (laughs) argument about that, but it's okay if you like McDonald's, but you know, I'm not a burger snob for preferring Kuma's. Um, so we talked about the shift from bombers to cans. Are there any other big trends that you see going forward in the industry oh, right now? Oh, actually, you know what? Can we go back real quick? Sure. Well, I I think this is something that needs to be, is still in the process of being settled, but it I, I won't say it annoys me, but I think it's an interesting discussion, is the what is craft beer uh, discussion. Goose Island is not a craft brewery anymore because it's owned by Anheuser-Busch, or InBev, Anheuser, uh, Anheuser-Busch InBev. Um, but it's, I'm, I personally, and I don't know what the answer is, I'm wrestling with the notion that Sam Adams Boston Lager is a quote unquote craft beer and Goose Island Vanilla Rye Bourbon County Stout is not a craft beer. Okay. Uh, you got to settle that one for me. I, How does that work? Well, it's because of Goose Island's ownership. It's purely just by ownership. Uh, in this case, yeah. Isn't there a number of barrels yep. capacity that somebody has set an arbitrary number about what's craft and what's not? It's the Brewers Association in yeah. Boulder, which is a fantastic organization with fantastic people on staff who've done incredible things for craft beer. But they're the ones who make the call. And uh, Goose's uh, AB ownership disqualifies it as a craft beer, um, which I understand, and they, they have to have standards and guidelines that makes perfect sense but I wonder if the conversation needs to change and it's not this is craft beer and this isn't but I don't know maybe we need to broaden the umbrella or 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 just throw the umbrella out the window or something but it's uh the idea that again uh uh you know a a vanilla rye 14 percent hand-crushed vanilla beans, blah, 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 aged in rye barrels for 18 months, you know, while monkeys stood on guard outside the <laughs> warehouse. It, you know, whatever it is, it's just that, the attention to detail and quality of the ingredients there. I mean, if that's not craft, then I don't know what is. And, you know, it's Boston Lager is made in some faceless facility in Cincinnati or something like that. Um, in Boston? No. 
It's not. Exactly. <laughs> it's not. It's a fraud. Um, <laughs> I mean, they might make some in Boston, but I, I believe, I should probably fact check myself, but that Sam Adams makes most of its beer in Cincinnati. Um, can we get the podcast intern to Google that one for us? <laughs> He's upstairs. <clears throat> it's one of the monkeys. <laughs> uh, um, so uh, I just think that that's a discussion that needs to continue to be had, and I, th- I, I think the this is craft and this is not m- maybe doesn't quite work as much. Ten Barrel Brewing out of Bend, Oregon, just sold to AB also. Never had their beer, but it seems very well regarded. They just won... Uh, a medal or two or three or something at the Great American Beer Festival, and they, uh, overnight, were no longer a craft brewery, and it has nothing to do with the beer or the fact that the same people are making the beer that were making it the day before. Um, so I just hope that there's that con- that conversation continues. I don't think something should be disqualified necessarily just because it's not quote unquote a craft beer. I don't. I think mm-hmm. we, the industry has sort of moved beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my question before, uh, just to go back to it so we don't confuse the listeners, even though I have another question now. Uh, is, I've is probably so, already confused so them a few times over. That's all right. There, there are no actual monkeys. I was just making that up. Cans versus bombers. Bombers going to cans. Obviously, cans are selling a ton. What other big trends do you see coming down the pike in craft beer? Um, well, cans. Cans are hot. Uh, Four Hands Brewing in St. Louis just got rid of its 12-ounce bottles and is doing 12-ounce cans instead. It's just the latest example. Cans are their thing. They're not going away. Um, I think the uh, session beers have been a a big thing. Um, You know, after someone discovers how great craft beer can be and they're drinking all these 8% IPAs, um, you sort of come back down to earth at some point and decide that drinking 4.5% Beer with a whole lot of flavor is maybe the way to go, especially on a Tuesday night. Um, so session beers have been big. Um, There's been a backlash mm-hmm. against that recently, though, too. How do you mean? There was a there was a I don't remember who wrote it, but there was a there was a hate piece against session beers the other day. Basically, oh well, that's probably just one guy trying to get clicks. It got clicks. It got your click. It got um, my click. Actually, it didn't. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I'm curious. I don't know. I don't. I don't think there is a backlash. I think that's a thing that's going to stick around. Mm. Um, is low alcohol, really flavorful beer, and mm. it's that's you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Oh, I think I know what you're talking. It was on. Uh, it might have been Deadspin. Yeah, it was Deadspin. Drunk Spin. Yeah, yes. I like that guy. He's a he's he's an entertaining writer, and he. He is not an elitist at all. He's also a fan of the ghosts. Well, I think that piece that you're referring, he was talking about a Berliner Weiss, uh, or it was a Goes, it was one of the two. But it was like, it was a 2.4% beer, and they were asking like nine bucks for a goblet, and he's like, I'm not going to pay that for such a low alcohol beer. That, I think, is a fair conversation. I'm Mm -hmm. not, you know. The Grapefruit Rattler? You put a shot of bourbon in that, that's a great drink. There you go. That's, <laughs> that's a yeah, great drink. That's awesome. I thought it was gin was your specialty. You I've was... moved over to bourbon, but <laughs> you take that 2% grapefruit rattler and just make it as a mixer, Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that that's we're probably going to see more of that is, is mm. mixing at bars and mixing at home. Uh, like the, the, the coffee pumpkin stout I described before that I mm. made, that's... That was the best beer I had all night, you know? And, yeah. and uh, so I, 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 I think there will be a lot more of that uh, going forward. 
Um, I'm curious about the expansion of the industry and the growth. There was this uh, this little pocket of massive growth where um, a bunch of West Western breweries uh, opened uh, Eastern locations. You know, Lagunitas opened the one mm-hmm. here, uh, so they did a pretty great job, don't you think? Yeah, it's that, a phenomenal place. Yeah, that's the tap room is amazing. Um, and the beer tastes so fresh. It's good. Um, he credits the Lake Michigan water for that. Well, and I think the hops, you know, not getting old is, I think is, that's the main thing to me is yeah. you're just drinking super fresh hoppy beer that traveled 80 feet to get into your glass. That's, that's the way hoppy beer should be had. Um, so Green Flash opened up out east, uh, New Belgium, Sierra, Oscar Blues, uh, Stone just announced their opening one. Tony McGee from Lagunitas said he wants to open, I forgot the number, I think it's five more breweries the size of the Chicago brewery <laughs> around the say, country. How does that sustain itself? Well, that's the, that's what I'm wondering. I mean, I wonder if this how this the growth of the industry will shake out and whether other breweries will continue to expand in this manner or whether they'll find out that it doesn't work or i don't know we'll we'll see i mean the growth of the industry is definitely something to watch it's Mm -hmm. it's it's growing like mad and um the the you know breweries are opening like mad um and are there will there ever be will it ever be too much do you i don't know what do you guys think do you think it can can it get oversaturated i think well what i've heard is the beer stores are having a problem with shelf space. Big time. And they don't know what to do because it's like a wine section today where you can walk down four or five different aisles and some stuff doesn't sell and it takes their shelf space and um, there's just too many options. They don't um, – just talking to a few people close to me that sell beer that the the people that are having the biggest challenge right now are the stores. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's, it's, it's a horrible feeling to walk into – Binnies or wherever, and and see three thousand beer options. Frankly, I think it's it feels like too much to me. Um, and but I, I I mean I guess I feel lucky that I'm able to sort of read and identify those labels and place them all in a context and make an informed decision. But for someone who doesn't spend their work time thinking about that stuff, I can't imagine what it's like to walk into that store and have all those options and and not really know what you want to buy. Um, yeah, there's a certain joy in walking into a bar that has 12 taps, and they're 12 good taps, and they're beers you've had before and you're super excited to try again, or they're things from breweries that you know you like, but you are excited to try this beer in particular. Um, that's a much more enjoyable experience, I think, than picking out from among 3,000 on the shelf. Where do you go in the city? What do you think? Who does the best job of uh, giving you just a limited amount of taps but just does them well? Um... Small bar. On division? Except right? they, they closed. Did they? <laughs> yeah, they closed last week. Uh, yeah, no, small bar was great. The original um, small bar? No, the the one on, well, do you uh, on ever, division. Do you ever go up to the, the original one, too? No, actually, I've never been there. Yeah. Have you? Where's that? A couple times. It's in Logan. Yeah. Somewhere. We're by the, it's like uh, just off of Kedzie and uh, a little bit north of Diversity. Yeah, there. I should get there. Do they... Are they good? They I've only been a couple of times. They they have good taps, very similar to the to the division room. Um, I haven't been there enough to really know how much they change up their offerings, but it was, it was very similar. Yeah, small bar and division that was a loss. Um, 
you know, there's there's a lot of bars doing it really well. Just on division, there, you know, Jerry's is does a great job. They always have something good and interesting on. Bangers down the street does a great job. I really like Bad Apple up in Lincoln Square. Oh yeah, Fountainhead in Lincoln Square. Green Lady on Lincoln. Hmm. Um, North Down on Lincoln. Like all those places, just they, there's so many great places to find a good beer in this city now. It's great. I just named like. <laughs> Probably two percent of them. I mean, you know, right. Map Room, Hop Leaf, all that. Down in the first floor of this place, I haven't been in yet, but there's a sign that says they have 112 taps at that. Hood yeah, and Howl. have you been hood, in there? Hood and Howl, Howl and Hood. Uh, I have. I. Uh, I you know I don't know that's not exactly my speed. That's not what I, I what I like about craft beer is sort of the intimacy and the sort of neighbor hoodie feeling of it and they're they're doing uh a michigan avenue place (laughs) yeah exactly it's a michigan avenue treatment of craft beer and the prices are really expensive uh the beers are good i mean last i saw the truth is is i'm in the building and i haven't been there in a year probably so i guess that says it all um yeah there's a couple uh i'd sooner go after work to watershed you know that place below pops for champagne they only have two taps but they're always good taps um, and they've got a lot of good bottles and cocktails and stuff. I just like the, you know, darker, quieter, mellower spot that's sort of curia- curated with a little more TLC, you know, rather than curated with dollar signs. Yeah. Um, I'd be remiss, I think, if we didn't ask you about um, more about those bourbon counties. You're one of only a few people outside of the brewery that have tried these at this point, and they're coming out next week. You wrote an article... Um, I think it was about a month ago or so, kind of rounding up, you know, what was coming, except for that, I believe, except for the, the vanilla. vanilla. Yeah. Yeah. But then I went back and tried that and wrote that up also. Yeah. So, I mean, what did you, what do you make of that? And the, actually, I made the argument in the vanilla rye piece that how can you not call this craft beer, you know? Mm. Um, but that's not to go backward into that. But That's fine. What was your question? I was going to say, you know, I mean, so what do you make of this year's batch versus versus prior years? Uh, this vanilla rye versus last vanilla rye, just well, they, generally. This the, is the first. They made a vanilla uh, five years ago that was aged in bourbon barrels. This is a different base beer. It has rye in the mash, so that's mm-hmm. going to make it a spicier beer. And then they also aged it in rye barrels instead of bourbon barrels. So it's a different, it's a different beer. They both have vanilla, but they're... Really, quite different, and they're both imperial stouts, but um, but they're they're different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting that Goose is like realizes that it has really created this incredible brand with incredible fervor and loyalty, and they found a way to market it really well, which is to make this family of beers and release them on Black Friday. They haven't been doing that for that long, actually, but it's really it's a it's a it's a notable day on the beer calendar now um, across the you know the country for sure maybe even beyond um, and you know I don't think I've ever had a Bourbon County beer that I thought was just bad um, some I think because it, there's so much alcohol need to wait a little while and unfold in the bottle and they get better with time. That's a lot of them, actually. Um, and that's the case with this year's. Some are, I think, really ready for drinking. I'll say that just regular Bourbon County Stout, uh, at least the, the, the one I tasted, there is some variation because each 
uh, I think they, they do s six bottlings. So if you look on the back, they'll, I think it's six different bottle dates are possible. And so I, I tasted one blend from one bottle date, so I can't necessarily speak for every uh, Bourbon County beer. But the blend I tasted was really, really nice and really heavy vanilla and really smooth and uh, just ready to drink. I think that beer usually requires a little time in the bottle to mellow out, but this, I think this, what I had was ready to go. It, it was fantastic. Uh, vanilla rye I thought was a little hot. I think it can, I think that can wait maybe six months in a bottle. The Proprietors, which is a Chicago-only blend, which is basically uh, a very, very shorthand for it is like Mexican hot chocolate PCS. Um, that was fantastic. Just, oh, that was just wonderful. Uh, what else? The coffee, Bourbon County was, I mean, I always love that beer. I love coffee and I love stout and it's just, I don't, I think it's hard to mess up a coffee stout, uh, and Goose pretty much nailed, nailed that again. Um, am I forgetting one? I might be, but I mean, bottom line is these are world-class beers and, uh, I think it's pretty great that we live in the city where they're made and, you know, we get have an abundance of them, you know, that beer nerds in Phoenix would probably love to have, but gonna have to try them. They don't they don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Get I have it. not had a bourbon barrel uh one of their one of their beers. Yes, you did. I, I was with you when we when we tried it at the I thought I didn't wait in line with you. Uh, you tried mine right okay. there. We went to the block party a couple years uh the three one two urban block party a couple years ago and they had Is that with the one at the brewery? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was right outside the brewery and it was neat to go in there and see all the barrels, but they had one line with the the barrel aged, the bourbon barrel aged and the bourbon county and then lines that they had their normal lineup in. Right. I just didn't, didn't want to wait in that line, but I, I can't remember trying it. That's fair. And you, you can, you can, you, I think I made you um, buy me yours, buy me some with, uh, with some tokens I'd given you or something like that. Okay, well. Maximize, lot of, maximize a, my draw. There was a lot of beer that night. Yeah, you yeah. might have already had too much to remember. <laughs> can't remember. Yeah. Well, yeah, I get to, I'd, and that's another thing I love about craft beer is just sort of the, the journey and the discovery, you know, it's like, try it. Maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't. And, you know, there's there's no wrong answer, but it's just it's fun to try some of this stuff and just, you know, weigh in for yourself, I think. Mm -hmm. Anything else that you've tried that uh, folks have, might not have seen yet uh, that's coming down the pipe that you'd recommend looking out for that might not require waking up at uh, 6 a.m. on Black Friday? Um, I would just, I would probably just recommend that wherever you are, drink local. And if you're in Chicago... Um, I think there's just there's a bunch of breweries that are really nailing it right now. Um, I think Moody Tongue, who makes the Black Truffle Pilsner, is just that Jared, who used to be the brewmaster at the Goose Island Brew Pub, went off and started his own thing, Moody Tongue. He's a uh, trained chef, went to the Culinary Institute of America, uh, and does a lot of food-forward beers. Like, uh, was it he had like a uh, a lemon Meyer lemon saison. Um, green coriander wit, things like that. Uh, I think I've not been even remotely disappointed by any of his beers. That lemon saison, that's probably one of the best beers I've had this year. Um, so just keep an eye out for Moody Tongue. I think Spiteful's doing a great job. They're doing hoppy beers as well as anyone in this city. Um, yeah, just, just Talk to your bartender, ask what's local, ask what's fresh, ask what the bartender's excited about. There's just there's so much wonderful stuff to discover.
Um, it's a good time to be a beer drinker. Sounds good. And beer writer. Before you guys wrap up, um, I did talk with the Over the Barrel intern. Mm-hmm. And um, the Boston Beer Company's uh, <clears throat> Cincinnati Brewery is, in fact, their primary brewing um, location for their um, lower volume and specialty beers. I, w- I don't think that would include Boston Lager, but... For all the things that you see in six packs that are seasonal, that's probably where they're they're coming out of. Oh, okay. Tell the intern, uh, give him a promotion. He's doing a great job. <laughs> I could, I mean, he could use it. <laughs> I think this was a great welcome to the Tribune Tower um, and bring over the barrel back. Um, yeah, yeah. We're looking forward to doing more on a regular basis. Yeah. If you ever need anybody to help finish off any bombers you get, let us know. Okay. So, yeah. I know where to find you guys. Ninth, ninth floor. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Josh. Yeah. Thank you, fellas. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm Ben Meyerson. I'm Rich Bird. And Charles Berman. Thanks for listening to Over the Barrel. Um, we'll be back soon uh, with lots of new, more beer news for you. Um, Over the Barrel is a production of the Chicago Tribune Podcast Network. Um, our executive producer is Rob Elder, and uh, we'll hear you soon. Cheers. <laughs>